You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Standing in Two Worlds with Dr. Sam Juni from Yerushalayim, Yerakadish. Uh, Sam, I think this is going to be our Pesach program, and of course, for those listeners that uh, are going to be celebrating Pesach, um, whether they're going to be going to a hotel or they're going to be staying home and family's coming or they're going to other family, uh, they know that besides the festive aspect of the holiday and the idea of coming together, uh, the preparation and the preparation for Passover uh, is entrenched in our society. Uh, you know it. We've, we both lived it. And it manifests itself, as you know, with what's called bir chumetz, bedikas chumetz, getting rid of any uh, leaven, finding crumbs all over the house, making sure that by the time um, Friday, that Friday afternoon this year, uh, that uh, Pesach afternoon starts, that the house is completely spotless, clean. There's no hummets anywhere. And if it is, it's clearly tucked away neatly and perhaps sold. So what occurs in our society, Sam, is not just uh, searching at hummets, but as we know, uh, especially in, in sources and that are quoted in the Hasidic world, the cleaning the home totally and completely, um, the, the, the home, the shul, almost a, um, a maniacal uh, unleashing of soap, suds, um, getting every aspect of the home uh, perfect, which really aligns with many people. When we say goodbye today, we might say, and I think what I've heard from many over the last couple of years is that for getting it kosher, for getting it kosher, for getting it Chomets free, it's sometimes you sacrifice the simcha, the sameach. You sometimes sacrifice that because you, you you have worked so hard. And what has happened in the process, especially I've seen it in, in many uh, families, is that there is a, a, a tension of getting this thing kosher, getting this house ready, making sure that everything is clean, whether it's the car to the refrigerator behind the stove, it causes such a uh, a rift and, and and disagreement sometimes, especially when you have uh, people living in the house. Not everyone is really attuned in the same way, and it becomes sometimes a power struggle, and it becomes fr- it becomes frustrating. And that's why the idea of sameach is is sometimes so important. I've heard because it, it, the price of getting it kosher is sometimes. You're just you're just at odds and 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 about what has occurred. It's just been a uh, it hasn't been a marathon. It's been grueling and it's it, it's actually turned into uh, a, a the gauntlet was thrown and you you end up although the house might be clean, but there there definitely is not a clear pure relationship anymore. And I think that's something which I don't know if, if, if you've had to deal with it, but I know you have some thoughts. professional perspective, which is really part of my entire perspective on life. Um, I don't believe much in parallel events that don't have an underlying explanation. And looking cross-culturally, the concept of spring cleaning is everywhere. It's everywhere. I don't know, uh, except let's say in in some Catholic circles, 
there is some tension around their ritual of doing the, the cleaning just before Easter. But in other cultures, it's it's um doesn't have as much tension, but the concept of spring cleaning, a yearly spring cleaning is across cultures. I know it definitely exists around the uh, Persian New Year, which is um, Chinese have it, Japanese have it. It's just there. So when you see this kind of phenomenon cutting across, you want to come up with an explanation, at least if you're scientifically oriented, that covers it all. And the, the ritual, this kind of ritual, has very much of a psychoanalytic smell. Everything has a psychoanalytic smell, but this is something that has the finger marks of the unconscious, and particularly the finger marks of guilt. And I say guilt because the anything which arouses, any ritual which arouses a, a, a lot of anxiety in the actors has to have to do with the major cause of all existence, which is expiation from guilt and trying to get rid of guilt. So what is the guilt here? Um, there's two ways to look at it. I know there's some Kabbalistic references, which you're much more uh, versed in than I am, which has to do with equating Hamates with Yetzir Hara that really what you're doing here is getting rid of the Yetzirah. It sounds like almost like a, a cathartic um, abreaction, similar to Yom Kippur. You're getting together all the sins and getting rid of it and burning it. And I think some of the incantations that exist in some of the um, Sidurim of the Edut HaMizrach actually say, just like I'm burning the Hamid, so do I want to get rid of the evil parts of uh, my soul, etc., etc., um, from a purely um, fixational point of view, the idea of getting rid of quote unquote dirt and whatever speaks of very primitive associations that every child has with um, um, dirt, excrement, etc., having to do with guilt. And you know, it's called an anal, anal character in the classic psychoanalytical literature, and it lends itself very much to ritual. People who get eventually, as adult patients, get into obsessive compulsive patterns or whatever, always have this crazy thing about dirt. Either one way or the other, either they're like very concerned about making sure they're not dirty, or they're just slobs to the point that they stink and they they, they exude dirt everywhere. And the dirt fixation is always there. So that's my my just first reaction that something's going on here. I want to add another caveat, which is a little bit abstruse. I'm not quite up my alley, but uh, it's one of the more challenging things that I've had training um, graduate students in, in group therapy. And that is a theory, a little bit obscure from my perspective, by a fellow called Hans Sachs. It was actually a competition of Freud's going back. And what Hans Sachs was all excited about was the idea that you can have an unconscious of a group which supersedes and is not even related to the unconscious of any individual. So, for instance, when you look at the uh, development of any group, as it begins to exist, when the group forms, and then as it gets closer to the goal, and finally by its dissolution, there's a parallel to that and human life. And as the unconscious develops in, in the human being individually, so does the develop within the group. So the Hans Sachs had a way of analyzing group processes by talking about the unconscious of a group and not necessarily unconscious by any particular individual. It's out there. It's quite an interesting yeah, it's, thing. It's, it's, very, it's, it's similar to Hegelian thought, right? Yes, Three, yes. But this, but this has a lot of the collective unconscious um, 
uh, um, elements that um, Carl Gustav Jung was into, which I, I totally don't um, buy. But Carl Gustav Jung, you have to remember, came as a religious theologian into psychoanalysis, and he brought in a lot of his Kabbalah or, or mysticism to explain right. not only the individual, but okay. So okay. So what like I'm I saying, said, it, I, I think, I, I think it, like I said, it has echoes of. What I'm trying to say is that there, you might say that it's inherent in human cultural psychology to have a yearly purging and cleaning, which takes Yom Kippur into it, it takes all the spring cleanings into it, and it takes the fervor or the intensity of what's going on here. And to me, just like there has to be periodic confessions, not just Yom Kippur, but in any kind of psychology, you have to get rid of guilt every now and then, otherwise you're choking with neurotic guilt, no matter what you do, I think a culture or a religion, basically a religious group, has to have that same kind of ritual. And I see the Hamid and Yom Kippur and the spring cleanings as all being part of that uh, undercurrent. And again, this is not typically me because I usually look at personal unconsciousness, but this screams very loudly like you have to explain it somehow using one explanation, not say, okay, so this is a mitzvah, and this is because it's it's the first time that it's not so damp, but it's not so hot, and there aren't winds, so you can air out all your beddings and make sure there's no lice in it. All those individual explanations don't sound as good as having one parsimonious explanation for everything that's going on. So that's like yeah, my... But, 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 but there is a little bit of... Uh, of you know, you're right, as much as, you know, as spring cleaning and chametz cleaning conflate, it sounds uh, it sounds like what you, you're onto something I, I think what it, what's unique about people from our culture is that it the house can be technically clean from dirt but what we're zeroing in on is the 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 food particles now i know that you know we're always in a way shedding pieces of our skin the food that we're imbibing is turning into waste. But the idea of, uh, isn't there something like zeroing in? That's not so much I'm clean, but this, this like the leftover food is, is, is there something, you know, I know you talked to, you talk about the anal fixation, but when we talk about food particles, chametz, there seems to be something specifically, you know, other than the, the tzivuim of the Torah, that gets everyone here. We got to get the chametz, and and again, when when people go down on their knees, and with my, with with the uh, you know, I, I don't know if they have magnifying glasses, and they're looking. Okay, what is it? You know, what is this crumb? What is this? I know myself when I do the night before Passover, when we Pesach, we do the B'dikas Chometz, I have a flashlight and I, we open up. What is it that we found here? Uh, do you see that as just another manifestation of, of being clean? There seems to be something food related. Right, right. You're touching on something which is important, and that is that the, the very source, should we say, of universal um, need for food. I mean, there's air, there's water, there's sex, and you can have aggression, but food is recognized as something very basic, right? Food and water. So here it's not water, but the very basis of food itself can be exactly what's dangerous here. In other words, it's something that's beckoning to you almost and saying, no, we have to stop that. And it has a, it has a, um, a flavor, again, from Freudian point of view, uh, of self-abnegation, saying, no, 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 
I have to watch out. Not everything that I find attractive or that I want to do, may I do. Sometimes that can be my downfall, you know, a little piece of whatever, if I have it around, that's the end. That's going to result. I mean, literally in terms of halacha, that's a death sentence, right? If I have yeah. uh, if I have food around, and it's not just if I have something tummy around, it's something that potentially is part of exactly the goal. You got to get food. You got to eat no matter what. Don't starve. And um, yeah, well, oh, I, I would put it just here. like I, I, and I think I think there's another thing, Sam, which is that um, I think I've shared this this idea with you before. Um, you know, you know, there is a, a concept that we have in in, in Judaism, and it's uh, it's it's really bandied about, probably more than many many important halachic principles, which is that that food that is not kosher is mitamtem the lave. and you've heard that idea that it's that it yes, fattens. It sounds pretty angle, doesn't it? Yeah, what it does is it, it gets into the heart, and it and, and it's not just. It changes the persona. One of the reasons why we find... From- as a matter of fact, as a rabbi, I think there are some commentators that explain philosophically that that is the actual source of why certain foods are prohibited because Kabbalistically speaking, or the way God sees it, these have the best chance of just messing up your, um, right. your, your body. So to speak. What it does is, but it's more than that, it actually changes the persona. In other words, Matam that if you allow your children even to, to, to eat this non-kosher item, what it's going to do is more than just, oh, they violated this principle of law. They are going to become different people. This food is going to be metamtem their lave. They are, they are not going to grow into good, peaceful. They will have the devil in their soul. And, and they will be grotesque, ugly human beings, despite what their external appearance. And that is one of the reasons why we know from the Hasidic circles, they have become the champions of kashrut, of kashrut, of making sure, how could we allow the timtum alev to occur? So, you know, recently I came across something from uh, one of the great uh, Hungarian, or actually it's not, was, I don't know if it was called Hungary when he was living there in Freshburg, the Chsam Sofer, a German, of course, who came... Oberland. Who came, Oberland, right? He was an Oberland, which... Um, uh, yeah. So he said, you know, we have to think about this differently. And I think you would appreciate this. When we say that that food that is prohibited has this deleterious effect, it's not because so much that what's contained in this food will will somehow penetrate and ruin you. Eating itself is an act that in some ways is despicable. Eating itself is, as he says, is metamtem alev. The fact that we take time out of our intellectual, spiritual life and turn to the breakfast table or the supper table and open our mouths and fill our gullets. It sounds whatever. like a classic ascetic person, right? Yeah, which whatever it is, that itself is, is, an, is, is animalistic. Now, I mean, so because, because it's corporal, it's not holy. It's right, not and 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 if you, if the you, dirty if, body, the dirty yes, body. and people people have. I know Sam. I have seen studies where people have been shown film of themselves eating. In other words, people have have who have gone to restaurants and then shown images of themselves, like a close ups 
of them putting food in their mouth and chewing and being uh, and being disgusted by what what, what they're seeing. Um, and I think that the some sofer, Rav Moshe sofer, is really tapping into this. He's saying, "Look, you know, a, a kosher food, you are able to somehow channel it, but really, all eating, as you say, is you know he, he found from an aesthetic point of view." I have to say, this sounds Catholic. This doesn't sound Jewish. You know, it's the <laughs> idea of taking the body and instead of it being a temple, so to speak, and making it something that's horrible, an antithesis, almost part of the uh, the. The so, anti-God, whereas God is just the soul, and this is like some dirt that we're attached to. Well, 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 is that, is well, that Jewish? I don't yeah. know. Well, look, what I, look, you know, it, it, when we talk about, that's part of the beauty, really, of, of discovering these type of ideas, because, of course, there's a syncretism of where these ideas might come from, and whether it's from, a, but this perspective, I think, and this is really what I want to build on. I know when I <laughs> search my home, and I discover, oh, here's a, here's a, uh, um, you know, here, here's a, a granola bar <laughs> piece that I left up here. Here's something here. You know, I, I'm sort of reminded of of that animalistic aspect of myself. Oh, but when you do the search and you discover, and and you and you somehow you alight upon all the snacks that you had, and you light upon, oh, here's a Cheerio, whatever it is, you are in a way reminded. You talk about expiating your sins. You're also reminded that we are we are beings that need to eat, right? And and that's like a part of us that when we eat, although we enjoy ourselves, we sort of like our brain, you know, sort of like doesn't want to look at our. We don't want to look at ourselves. We just want to eat and get back to uh, the next, uh, you know, positive aspect of our life. Uh, and I think that that might be something about it in terms of. You talk about expiating sin specifically, it also might be an uncomfortability with the fact that we are so corporal and need to eat and need to engage in in that activity. Um, it, it's sort of like, you know, as you say, it, it might it's tied to going it's to the base. bathroom. You're thing. saying it's base. It's just base. So when I'm doing Bidika's Hamids, when I'm this, 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 this urge, this command you, you I think, are transcending your your bodily links to the underworld and you're just becoming a, or when i'm when, when i'm cleaning it i'm sort of saying that's the part of me that you know i'm not comfortable with you know and that's why you know i'm searching it out that oh that food you know it, it's because it's it, it, it's because it was connected to my need to 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 eat my need to be like the animals need to be that I wasn't this spiritual being. And in a way, you know, I, I think you'll agree with me that um, there's very few people who, you know, when they're really digging in that are anything different, I guess, and I, I think this, the, the stuff that's in their brain centers that's lighting up is probably similar to the same things that are lighting up when you, when you open up the can of dog food and the dog <laughs> runs to the yeah. food. I mean, look, even in Eretz Yisrael or here, Take a look at everybody at the Kiddush, right? Take a look at the... Uh, uh, I of, think the best scene is pizza time after Pesach. That's the best scene. <laughs> Where everybody is elbowing to get to get a slice of that hot uh, crust into their, into their mouth. But, but you see, my, I, again, I don't want to belabor this, but I just find it fascinating because from my perspective, what you just said over here, I wouldn't call that a standard Jewish philosophy. The way I understood Jewish philosophy, so look at Pesach, okay? The idea of a mitzvah of eating matzah. 
So basically what we're saying is that you can make the corporal aspects of it yourself holy. You can make that something that's sublime rather than something that you just um, uh, painfully drag along because it's part of your uh, oxygen. You need to exist. Now that itself is holy. And I've seen similar kinds of write-ups about relationships, about sexuality, that it's not something that you begrudgingly mess with. It's something that's a mitzvah and it's important, which means that this is something, a way of serving God. I've seen um, some uh, of the sacraments in the base. I mean, it's described the same way. Flour and oil, the essentials and animals. No, you eat them and it's and it's a mitzvah. You have to oh, eat them. Oh, you can't oh. say that you'd rather not. Okay, so again, I, I don't want to it make this a Talmudic or a Midrashic right, right. discussion. But you know, Sam, that there is this um, symmetry between Pesach, Passover, and the next holiday, Shavuot, where the, the, the prime korban is actually um, highlighted by... The produce, sure. By, by not only the produce that's brought, but also by leavened bread, right? This is the the, the Shteyalechem. Which are which which clearly stand in contradistinction to the verboten part of chametz. Nowhere you can't have chametz every anywhere, right? So you, you, this idea between the leaven and the unleaven, uh, you know, you're right. There is an aspect of the fullness. Enjoy it. The body is a temple, and 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 this is this. We glory in what we've been able to produce. This wonderful food item, isn't it great? These breads. You know, we, 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 you know, we, we, can, we can get high on, on the yeast and culture that we have. But I think what happens with us here in Pesach, there's this almost pri, you know, primal, whether it's a guilt aspect, it's an uncomfortability that we have with that, the uncomfortability with, with needing. And I think that's something that, that, that might um, be part of the thing that uh, propels a lot of the obsession about it, and that's what I really want to go into now. Is I, I find, uh, and you you talked before about the, how the I have a mismatch where you have one one of the the, the members of the family is extremely, uh, you know, uh, if we, you know, totally domineering, anal OCD, whatever you want to say about it, and the other is not that way, and this really can lead this this ritual and halacha can lead to a lot of uh, family discord. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you some elements I've picked up. One odd element is that you find that often the slave driver here is the woman and not the man. And in most of the Haredi families that I know, the uh, man is much more learned or much more committed to Allahic strictures throughout the year. But when it comes here, it's almost totally the woman's um, um, total domain. I can tell you that um, my great-grandparents, so like one, uh, my great-grandfather was a well-accepted leader and a rabbi, and and my great-grandmother said to him once before Pesach that if we went along with your concepts of what clean means, you would be eating straight, you know, cake <laughs> and, and, and bread during Pesach. In other words, you're not a responsible person, which is, you know, kind of interesting um, it's almost like it's almost like you know we we usually use that culture that you come from, and and I do as well, as in a culture that sort of inhibited the power of women. It's almost like uh, the Passover well, here, the Pesach here's, season. Here's her Pesach chance season. to wipe. She wipes the floor with you, right? Right. And that's one. And it also, I mean, in terms of relationships, it gives her a chance 
to be the one in charge in contrast to the um, subservient role or, or, or the in the shadows role that women usually have. So that comes up, but there's no question. There's a lot of tension throughout. There's a lot of displaced anger and yelling and abuse. I mean, I've seen warnings from some actually Hasidic leaders. I mean, the Kleisenberg Rabbi, I remember, was very vociferous saying, before Pesach, the most important thing is don't get your spouse upset don't get your children upset. That's much more important. I'd much rather you do. I think the, the, the current Klesenberger and the Tanya once said, if it comes to that, I, I'm not 100% sure, but it's definitely of that flavor. I actually heard him say it on a, record, on a video. Um, it comes to that, just say Kalachamira and do no cleaning at all. Nothing. Don't even clean right. up. Right. If it means that one of your kids right. will get upset or you'll end up yelling. With Hamas, it has to do with um, who is more expert, who is more knowledgeable. Are you, the, are you talking about status here? Are you saying that I'm not important because I'm a, I'm a woman? Are you saying that you're not really real? You're phony? It gets into that, which is quite... And with I've seen kids brutalized, brutalized just by the spillover of the tension that occurs uh, before place. Uh, in brutal. other words, brutalized by the tension among by the parents that spills yeah. over to the kids. It spills over and, and kind of they're saying, where's this come from? I don't know what you yeah, want. I, it's interesting because, you know, the halacha sort of layers, if you look in the halachic sources, you know, and again, I, uh, I I appreciate what you said from the Kleiser Begareb, and I sort of implied that, although I guess I didn't bring it out well enough by when I said, that's part of the, that was part of what that sameach was meant to uh, ameliorate was that was that tension that that unfortunately mm-hmm. the involvement kashras does. But I think you know in terms of what you just mentioned, the halacha does say yes, of course you don't really need to do this, but uh, because of the chomer of of chametz, because of the kedushas haychag, because of that, so we're going to actually go more than we need to. And I think Shmiva, what that really creates. Is an inexactitude of 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 of, of halacha, like oh yeah, you know what, you know this is really fine, but we're going to go further because it's Pesach. But it's, and it's that horrible but, which I think is where the women become empowered in the rest of the year. Is it kosher? Is it not? Well, let me take out my halachic microscope and tell you based on the sources. Okay, you can eat this, right? Oh, or this is fine. In Pesach, because we err so much to the other side. What happens is we blunt the edges of the intellectual halacha, which is really what we look for in our rabbis and our poskim, not to say everything's usher, but to actually discover why it might be allowed, to understand the principles behind it. Pesach, all of that gets thrown out and say, look, yeah, really, I could be moderate. And really, it's probably not even chametz. And right, oh, but you know what? It's Pesach, we're going to be machmer, which really is an, a way for the women or people who aren't as learned. Uh, and maybe women could be an eight, right? To jump in and say, "Yeah, right, this is our time." So I think what you, I think what you're touching on is is very important. It's almost like the 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 Bali halacha and the sources really are encouraging, in a way, this ultimately non-halachic perspective. Halacha is all about discovering that narrow, interesting path and, 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 and realizing how it's, how it's correct. Even though it was cloudy beforehand, I now can go through the fog. Whereas with Pesach goes, don't even take me there. I'm just going to be extreme on the other side. And I think that that really, in a way, uh, is really the, the seminal difference. Part of, part of, you know, we all know 
that you know people who really are in learning know that being a, a halachic Talmudic Talmud Chacham Jew isn't about everything's also right. It's actually the opposite, as Rav Moshe Feinstein showed. I think, as you're saying, Pesach sort of encourages and uh, the other, and I think that's part of the reason why this role reversal sometimes is difficult to take, because mm, you're right. All of a sudden, you know, she's telling me to, and 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 and, and yeah, and you've got to you've got to kowtow to that, and I think that might be again. I'm sort of restating what you said, but I think I'll give the classic depiction of the Seder fiasco in movies, okay, or in theater. That's usually the time when all the major fights come up. And I'm wondering whether that's a leftover of the cleaning. I'm not sure. Um, I also wanted to mention um, two points. Um, one is by a point by Rabbi Lichtenstein, or by Aaron Lichtenstein, which I found fascinating. And that is that the um, um, part of the ritual on Yom Kippur, of course, is atoning for sins, and the Kohen Godel is supposed to lead it, and he's supposed to lead it by example, saying, I sinned, and I'm asking for forgiveness, and so am I asking for forgiveness for my entire clan and for Israel. And he said, if a Kohen Godel, I'm quite sure he said it, maybe it was Rabbi Meir Lichtenstein, but I think it was Rabbi Aaron, um, that if a Kohen Godel comes to Yom Kippur and he's a totally righteous person, he has nothing to atone for, the service is lacking or it's even meaningless because you're not atoning at all. And I found this paradoxic, not paradoxically, just oddly enough, people who go away, people like once they, they're empty nesters and they decide we're going away for Pesach, either to the children or to hotel. And they say, it didn't feel like Pesach. What they missed is the tension of the cleaning, of battling this, if you want to say symbolic, um, horrible virus and licking it and to say, you don't have it. It's not there. I mean, it's, bizarrely enough, it's almost like saying you want to be diagnosed with some polyps that might be cancerous and being able to excise them and feel great about that. And if you come back from the colonoscopy and say everything is clean, it's a letdown. If you can right. understand that. They, right. they need the crazy fighting instead of saying, I'm just selling my whole house. I'm going to my kids. I'm going to a hotel. It didn't feel like a real place. Why? Because I actually came to the Seder. There was no fighting. I wasn't tense. Everything was done for me. I got had room service. That's not the way to do it. I have to come there with, with easy off under my fingernails, feeling angry at everybody for not cooperating. And then this one didn't help with the harosis and didn't help with the murder. And this one sang his song wrong, or whatever it is. You need that garbage, which again, <laughs> that harkens me back to Freud and the Hans Sachs. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, well, well you know, I, I think, you know, the the capacity, despite what Sachs is saying and, you know, his predecessors, uh, society is interestingly malleable. And although you might say, well, in some large way, they're still applying themselves using a Darwinian sort of way of looking at things, there could be, uh, there could be change and um, alteration and mutations. And I think what, what's happening, and, and I've seen it, we've seen it in our lifetime, is that a larger and larger percentage of at least Orthodox Jews and, and perhaps more are getting the hotel experience. And I think as the years go on, you know, our children and grandchildren, I think that's going to be much more the standard. I think it is being phased out. Again, I don't know if people are going to be able to afford it. I've so- heard from children who are taken to hotels by parents saying, let's not do it again. Uh, they're upset about it. They don't like it. 
And not only because not, not some hotels give you the opportunity to have your own private seder with I understand. Family. And still right. they say, but, no, it's not the same. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do see that there is a um uh, like I said, despite the funds that are diminishing because of the incredible inflation that has been inflicted or is happening to us, um I I, I see that it's going to be growing. And I think the idea of you know, people are going to take that balance and say, mm, well, to make Pesach is all this tension, is all this work, is all this stuff. This is a couple thousand dollars. Let's just throw that. And I think that's going to become more and more. And I think those, they're going to be more, again, this is not a sociology or uh, Alvin Toffler sort of future predicting type of thing. But I, I, I see it happening more. And I see that, like I said, our children and grandchildren, I think it's going to become, listen, Mashiach should come, but as we say, I think it's going to be much more common. And I think there's going to be a sense of Pesach is when you go away. It's going to, now, look, there's going to be a whole bunch of other psychological stuff being thrown in there, maybe good and maybe bad, sort of similar to the summer camp bungalow experience that was so much part of Northeastern Jewry for so long, which was, this is a period where we go away and we meet other families and we see those people and, you know, we get served, uh, so to speak. And I, I think part of that might, so part of what I think what we're talking about might be a thing of the past as, mm. as time goes on. Um, I think people will eventually you know, realize that the spring cleaning is really part of the two-pronged in the Judaism uh, approach of expiation. We have our Yom Kippur mm-hmm. expiation sure. and we have, and it's interesting that, and I think this has not changed, that those two days, Yom Kippur afternoon or morning, or maybe Yom Kol Nidre night, and the Seder I think has the most um, involvement of Jews throughout the spectrum. Yes, sure, sure. Uh, I would, think the Seder, yeah, sure, sure. There's I no would question. say go go being involved in the Yom Kippur service. You go to a seder and go to services in Yom, Yom Kippur. Those yes. are really the two. Even people again, we're not talking about Jews who, who are just you know culturally identified as Jews. Jews who have some sense of of ritual. Those two days, and I think you know there's something there's a commonality. It's basically, the theology, the God relationship, and the family relationship. My family being seen as a cornerstone of Jewish culture. Family, not. Judaism, but cult, the family as such, sure. Right. That so, and those, and, and, and therefore, and, and that probably will continue. That uh, it's the Seder, Yom Kippur. The, those are like you know everything else. I don't know about, but 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 that is is true. And, and I think that because of you understand, Seder is often bereft of anything religious. I mean, Seder with you know with breads and cakes, but it's Seder, you know. <laughs> and the person leading the Seder could be one of the guests who is not Jewish. That's fine. So long as they know that we do this and then we dance and then we sing uh, the Chad Gadja and that's cool. <laughs> right. And and, and I, I think what, what happens is, is that especially um, you know, when we eat, like, what are we doing? Um, and, 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 and it becomes, as you say, sometimes tension filled, but also just like, you know, as we see in Thanksgiving meals, a time to see the relative again, whether it's the lecherous uncle or someone else. And I think that's part of the reason why um, uh, there isn't any connection other, it's, it's not like continuous, oh, it's at the Seder. And that's why it's like people that don't know each other, right? people who, mm-hmm. who, who've become unfamiliar. 
in the COVID era, for sure, you know, and I, and I, I expect that, you know, people have not been attending this, the Seder for right. a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. So I think this year where the COVID restrictions are, are, are somewhat a thing of the past. I think we're going to be we're seeing more of that, and 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 like you say, I think. Um, and you that, can expect some more. Fu- I mean, I can expect some more phone calls. You know, right as afterwards you know, the first day about right about, sure. about things. Alamoth, can you make an exception and see like sixteen people? Yes, right, because of right. The, right. Talk about a, uh, a, a the gift for finding the Afikomen. You might the gift itself might uh, uh, generate some gift. That's an entire. That's an entire other craziness. The negotiations, <laughs> the gifts, and people remembering being, um, you know, um, um, gypped out of whatever it is they were supposed to get. I'm talking about fifty year olds talking about what happened to them when they were six. They are still livid at these grandparents who are barely, you know, alive. They're still livid that they never got what they were supposed so, to and they were chipped out of it or wasn't so given properly or whatever. Shocking, shocking. I mean, when, when you when you see the Talmudic passages about how crucial it is to include children and to make this into a child-friendly uh, situation... Mm-hmm. That um, you're talking about the the roadkill of the past again from the sources from the sources itself it's like get home quickly start make sure the children are involved give them all these type of wonderful candies and goodies and 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 keep them around and I I don't know Sam and let them give their opinion that is so crucial that's ignored these days let the kid give his or her opinion, even if it doesn't fit with whatever theme you have in mind. Yeah, okay. Well, this really is sort of gets us into another topic, which I know you, yes. you agree with me, but which is the fact that when the Seder is happening in, in an Orthodox setting, the children come, if they're already above the age of three or four, they come ready with with cans of wisdom right. yes that they that they are meant to take out and 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 read as opposed to something which is spontaneous and organic and you know, in a way a model of involvement family learning together that doesn't what, what happens instead is a superimposition which again is a really part of but, the, but, but importantly it gives them the stage it gives them the stage. It's very important. And it gives everybody a chance to applaud and say, wow, Billy, you did great. Or that was a great idea you had, Sue, about, uh, you know, uh, Paro really being a communist, whatever it is, you know. And you say, right, you're entitled to your idea. Redman yelling, oh, no, that's not what this is all about. This is about, you know, eating matzah. Yeah, I I would just add just one last little element there as we close, and I don't know, uh, uh, maybe our listeners can can incorporate this. Um, one of the things that you know, the Maimonides, um, when he talks about uh, talking to your children, he says, you know, it's interesting. He says that. And turn to the servant in the house and say, "You see, we were like him. Like, we were like this servant." Right. Of course, the servant, you can imagine how, how, how today that would be so you know, inappropriate and, and terrible. But, that servant is probably earning more than you are. Yeah, yeah. But turn to him and say, this is the way we were. I, I think from that phrase of Maimonides, I think one could really say that there's dress up would be great. In other words, we're into Purim dress ups. 
and the Purim dress-ups are always off the wall, right? They're off the wall, right? That's the point. Off the wall and and and, and weird. To me, I think that what could, in a way, um, sort of like maybe from your pessimistic perspective, it won't help, but could sometimes soften it is actually, you know, again, obviously we don't know what our, our, what people enslaved look like, but I think the idea of, of costuming might be a way to shield some of those, some of that negative stuff, you know? In other words, yeah, it, 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 costuming, I think is, is, is it, it, we all know, and we can talk about this at a different time, uh, costuming has a way of sort of shielding a person and I can tell you that one of my kids has a yearly pageant ritual at the Seder, where at some point this is planned, sometimes with the kid's knowledge, without the kid's knowledge. You know, I, I know in one case he disappeared. My son disappeared and came back five. They said there's some emergency. You had to see some patient, whatever it was, came back five minutes later as some kind of bovan or paro or some kind of yeah. bum coming in off the street wanting to eat or wanting to know what the ritual is about. <laughs> and, you know, it took a while, but uh, they have this plan. They have done That's this. Great. That's great. That's yeah. great. And, and, I, and I think that those type of games, I think, go a long way in, 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 in sort of like creating artif- artificial indeed. Maybe it doesn't heal the wounds that have been right. opened up in the past. But I think that could make the Seder, if you if you turn it into sort of costume. It makes it into a real family event because uh-huh. many of our kids can't relate to all this Hebrew stuff that you're saying. You know, like, when do we eat? Yes. No, not when do we co- eat. When do we have the pageant? When That's do we right. have a costume pageant? ball. A costume sure. ball. Sure. And I think that, to me... Not all about the matzo balls, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, we hope, we wish all of you here from uh, Standing in Two Worlds, wherever world you happen to be in, uh, we hope that your Seder experience and your Passover experience, your Passover experience, is indeed uh, not full of tension. Um, and, and hopefully you'll get that, <laughs> you'll get the house as clean as it needs to be and uh, join the rest of the world and all the rest of these, as you say, Sam, communities throughout the world uh, in a in a celebratory spring cleaning. We'll see you hopefully in a couple of weeks. Take care, everyone. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.